I just feel like such a friend of all of you and just have been here so many times and uh, I know my attendance is not that good, but I do feel the Lord is in this. Hallelujah. So this morning, we're going to talk from this verse uh, in Mark chapter 8. And a hundred years ago, only the rich had cars. A hundred years ago, only the wealthy had cars. And only the, all the poor people rode horses. Now, everybody drives cars, but only the rich people have horses. So the stables have turned. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Let me read this. Uh, I'm just going to talk about the need for understanding. Uh, this is Mark chapter 8. He left them. Getting into the boat again, he departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Of course, he's talking about doctrine. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. Now, it doesn't say it here, but I think Jesus rolled his eyes. Uh, and he says, and, and he spoke to them. Now, they're, they're getting in the boat. He kind of starts, you know, beware the doctrine of the Pharisees, beware the leaven of the, the... And then he just notices they're arguing and probably discerns what they're saying. You idiot, you, you forgot to bring bread. We only have one loaf. I can't believe you forgot to bring bread. And Jesus, and I've never seen this before, but he asked them nine questions. It must have really exasperated him. It must have just really frustrated him that they're worrying about bread. And he says, number one, why do you reason because you have no bread? In other words, you've seen my hand, you've seen my provision. Why are you worrying? about a loaf of bread. Second question, do you not yet perceive nor understand? Third question, is your heart still hardened? Everything has to do with our heart. The Bible says real clearly, Psalm 95, Hebrews 4, hear his voice, don't harden your heart. If you're not hearing him, you'll automatically harden your heart. I don't know about you, but it's easy to obey God if it's something you were going to do anyway. But, but there's a time when we, if, if we don't want to hear the Lord, we have to harden our heart. You know, if you, if you want to commit a sin, you have to harden your heart to do it. Is your heart still hardened? Then fourth question, having eyes, do you not see? In other words, how thick-headed are you? Having ears, do you not hear? Number five. And then he says the greatest one, and do you not remember? You know, have you ever, have you ever taken communion and you talk about, he said, do this often in remembrance of me. What are we remembering? We're remembering that he doesn't remember. Your sins and your lawless deeds, I will remember no more. I've seen it over the years. People have a real bad habit of having a short memory. 
In other words, God can do something so phenomenal, and yet we're worrying about a loaf of bread. <laughs> you know, we're worrying about stuff. And then, then he, he adds to it, number seven, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they answered with tremendous intellect and said, 12. And then number eight, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, I think it was seven. How, number, and the question number nine, how is it that you do not understand? In other words, he's saying, you need to see who I am. I'm a creator. I'm a big God. And you're still struggling on these simple things. It must have really exasperated him. He said, I not only fed 5,000 people, I gave you carry out. You know, you, you had 12 baskets left over. You had seven baskets left over. And he just made it mindful of them how big he is, how great he is. Uh, so many times we need understanding. I want this one other scripture I think is so cool. It's in Matthew 8. When Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. This is Matthew 8, 18. Then a certain scribe came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. In other words, He's a scribe, you know, he's not, he's not a typical disciple, but he said, you know, I've watched you, you do miracles, I've, I've listened to you preach, doggone it, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. Now, you expect Jesus to say, attaboy, glad to have you on board, you know, I'm glad you made a good decision. What does Jesus say? He says, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I can't believe anybody would think that has to do with the lack of motels. But people do that. You know, they, oh, they just didn't have many motels. No, he's saying, if you want to follow me, it's more than just following me. I'm looking for a place to lay my head. In other words, I'm going to remove your head and I'm going to put my head on you. In other words, your opinion doesn't count anymore. You, you're, you're not going to have the freedom to think it your way and to, to come up with your ideas and to, to, to plan your way because I'm looking for someone who's willing to let me replace their head with my head. That's understanding. And so, so many times we don't understand the simplest thing. For example, uh, he says... And I woke up this morning thinking about this uh, in, Ma in Romans chapter 8. Because so many people, they love God, but they're still in performance, performance Christianity. And so, you know, but, but how many agree with me? Jesus paid it all. If you believe that, there's nothing left for you to do. It is finished. He's completed it all. And if we really believe that, then all our job is, <clears throat> is to follow the Holy Spirit, is to listen to Him, to pay attention to Him, to make sure our heart doesn't harden toward Him. He says in Romans 8, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. What does God want you to do? He wants you to walk according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. 
with what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Now notice these next words. That the righteous requirement of the law. There are 600 rules back then. All the rules, the do's and don'ts, all are reduced to this. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. What's God's will for you? To walk in the Spirit. To pay attention to the Holy Spirit. And so, I used to have a struggle with the law because I grew up in a church and, you know, don't smoke or chew and run around with those who do, you know, that kind of thing. It's like rules, 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 rules. I mean, mine was so strict, we... We, they didn't even like Billy Graham. You know, they were, they, it, it, mine was so strict that, uh, that they, they objected to everything. If it was anywhere fun, it was sin, you know. <clears throat> but the Lord helped me. Most people, when you get up in the morning, the first thing you do is you're heading toward the bathroom because your bladder's never been this size before. And, you're, you're, you're heading toward the bathroom. But most people, before they get the toilet, they stop and look in the mirror. And the mirror always says the same thing. Call 911. The mirror. The mirror is the law. All the law can do is tell you, you are in trouble. But you can't take the mirror off the wall and comb your hair. You can't take the mirror off the wall and, and shave or put on makeup. Don't do both. But, but, but you, 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 the mirror, that's all the mirror can do is say, you're in trouble. But the purpose of the law, the purpose of the mirror was to drive us to the person who can do it. I used to say, the Christmas, Christian life is not hard. It's impossible because you can't do it. The only, the only relief we have is saying, God, it's you. It's not about me. It's you. And, and so I'm just going to, I'm just going to spend most of my time focusing on you, listening to you. And that's the essence of the gospel. You know, I just notice things, think about things, but <clears throat> out of all the creation, birds are the only creation of God that has two realms. Birds can walk. And birds can fly. Notice most of them use the flying realm. You never see a bunch of birds on the interstate. Oh, we're just going to walk today. You know, but because but God has given you two realms. He's given you the realm of the flesh, but he's also given you wings so you can be in the spirit. And we have to make that choice. I'm going to choose to live in the spirit. I'm going to choose. You know, you can... You can go either way. There's like, you can gratify your flesh. Most of us do this. You can gratify your flesh. Maybe you just let somebody have it. And you, just, you just chew them out. It feels good. It feels good. And sometimes I just, oh, I would just love to slap somebody. But, you know, there's just, so, so there's, there's, there's an emotion there. Or you also have the other emotion of, Keeping your cool and trusting God to take care of it. There's the emotion of the good taste of good food. Or the emotion 
of eating correctly and feeling in control. You have to choose your emotion. Because there's emotion of how this tastes, and God knows I'm so guilty, but there's an emotion of how that tastes, but there's another emotion out there. If I discipline myself, I'm going to enjoy other benefits. There's the emotion of procrastination, which feels real good. I'll just put that off till later. Oh, that feels good. But, but there's another emotion of discipline and getting things accomplished, getting them out of the way. You know, really, in life, there's only two emotions. In this, on this whole earth, there's only two emotions. There's love and there's fear. It helped me because I have all these emotions. But really, I'm either in love or I'm in fear. Elijah was in love when he killed the 450 liberals. And he, uh, <clears throat> he, he just, he, 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 because he loved God and, and their, their, their twisted way of thinking, he killed them that were enemies of God. But when Jezebel said, now, you're dead meat 24 hours from now, you'll be dead. He ran. He was in fear. And many times, just because it helps me to just say, every time I have an emotion, is this love or is this fear? If I have peace, it's under the emotion of love. If I'm having worry, it's under the emotion of fear. And you can take every emotion out there, and they're going to fit in one of the two categories, and it makes it easy. Speaking of that, I learned a lot from watching my wife because <clears throat> when the mail comes and I bring it in and there's a stack of it, usually when I was single, it would have stayed for up to a year. <clears throat> but, but my wife, she takes the mail and she sorts it. That's junk, that's junk, that's junk, that's junk. And it goes in the wastebasket within seconds. That's a bill, we might want to pay that. You know, there's a personal letter, we might want to keep that. But when she was doing this one day, Here's what the Holy Spirit said to me. Most of your thoughts are junk mail. And we got to learn to deal with junk mail. We got to take junk mail and spam and all that because the devil's going to concentrate that way. He's going to give you junk mail. But we, have to, we can have a lifestyle. I'm not receiving junk mail. That's going in the wastebasket right now. Wow. So we have to choose the realm we live in. Paul said, whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Another understanding is coming to Jesus doesn't make you free. Coming to Jesus makes you forgiven. But Jesus said, if, John 8, 32, you continue in my word, if you take my word and embrace it as a lifestyle, you're truly my disciples and you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. When you receive the Holy Spirit, thank God for miracles, thank God for healing, thank God for tongues, thank God for all of it. But really what we received, we received was the spirit of truth. And he has a bad habit of telling you the truth if you get my drift. So the, the, in it was, was it Easter just a year, uh, year ago, a week ago? But I was thinking about Easter. The same spirit, it says in Romans 8, that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. You know, there's three lies out there, and you've heard me say this before, but there's three religious lies 
Here's number one. Are you ready? I'm not worthy. That sounds so spiritual that you're full of baloney. That's a lie. You are worthy. You're just not worthy by something you've done. You're worthy by what he's accomplished. And we are worthy because he says, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. It's not by anything we've done. The other lie is, if it be thy will. I grew up in a church that way. Every prayer had an attachment to it, if it be thy will. And, and you, you know, just like, we just say, God, if it's your will, send me to heaven. If not, send me straight to hell. You know, you wouldn't do that, but that's the logic behind it because God's made his will very clear in, in so many areas. So we don't do that. The only place, I, even scripturally, is Jesus was at the garden and he said, I don't want the sin of the world on my shoulders. I don't, if there's any other way, I don't want to die for the whole world. This is too painful. This is horrible. Nevertheless, your will be done. But we use it on everybody and everything. If it be thy will, if it be thy will. And it sounds so so spiritual, but it's a stinking lie. And here's the biggest one. We walk in these beautiful temples and see these beautiful stained glass. And the, you, you can go to different countries and see these amazing temples. And the beauty, the pillars. The, but you know what? The lie is, we're the temple. And we, the Holy Spirit in us, wants to reach this world through us. It's not a building. It's we're the temple. We are the temple. Hallelujah. So what a wonderful God we serve. That he, he's given us understanding. I believe more and more we're going to see this. You don't have to perform. Really, there's only two rules God has. Love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. It's that simple. Thank you, Jesus, for the sweet Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for his, his way of talking to us. And, you know, the Bible says, we're, we in the kingdom, we're just the opposite of the world. In the kingdom of God, if you want to be great, you've got to become a servant. If you want to receive, you've got to become a giver. If you want to be promoted, you've got to humble yourself. A friend of mine used to say, if you want to go up on God's elevator, you've got to push the down button. I heard a guy say this, Jesus didn't go around making bad people good. He went around making dead people live. Wow. I'm, the, I'm a poor example of golf, but they said about Arnold Palmer one day, some guy says, you know, don't you think it's some of these shots are just lucky, you know? And he said, you know, that's true. But the more I practice, the luckier I get. <laughs> you know, I was thinking another thing about understanding. Twice in the scripture, it talks about the disciples are on the Sea of Galilee. A terrible storm breaks out. And Jesus has just said, let's go to the other side, you know, and you think everything's going to be fine. And so they're in, out there, and all of a sudden a storm is so severe that these experienced fishermen think they're going to die. And they couldn't find Jesus. You ever felt that way? Where is he at? And they looked everywhere for him. 
And finally, they find him, and he's sound asleep. What kind of Savior is that? But I want to tell you, Jesus is in your boat. But you've got to wake him up. Because I found something. He sleeps through storms. He'll sleep and probably snore through a storm. But we are the ones that wake him up. He'll sleep right through it. He'll sleep right, right through your crisis. But they woke him up and they said, and they rebuked him. Don't you care that we're going to die? And he stood up and he says, where's your faith? And he rebuked the storm. But he more or less said, you could have rebuked it yourself. You could have done it. I really believe one thing God is saying to all of us is use your authority. Because the devil's going to give you that junk mail. The devil's going to say, you know, you're depressed today and you, don't, you also have an odd-shaped head. And, you're, you're, you, you know, the devil's, the devil's going to tell you something and we sit there and entertain it. And we need to use our authority. Paul said about the armor of God, above all, taking up the shield of faith with which you'll be able to, to quench the junk mail. You'll be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. That's like the most important part of that armor. Hallelujah. So, I, again, backing up to where we started here, I just think Jesus was appalled. You guys are worrying about bread. And the other day, you saw me feed 5,000 people with a couple of little loaves. You saw me multiply it. Don't you get it? You're always worrying about one loaf. You're always worrying about some insignificant thing. And you just saw me. And he gives two examples. When I fed the 5,000, when I fed the 4,000, how many were left over? And he's saying, don't you get it? Is your heart still hard? Don't you see it? And I've never seen a place in Scripture where he went that rampant. He just, nine questions. How is it that you don't understand? I think a good thing to pray is, well, give me some understanding. Because you're willing to tell me. You're willing to tell me. You know, if you go to a doctor... And he does a thorough exam on you. Usually, when he's done, he scribbles on a thing. You can't read it, but he scribbles out. And he said, here, this is for you. How stupid would it be if you walk out of the doctor's office and you wad that thing up and throw it in the wastebasket? Because that's what you needed. Now, there's some things being said today that he's writing out. This is what you need. Don't leave this sanctuary and throw it out, throw it out because God's saying, that's a, that's a prescription I've given you today. Maybe it's only one thing here, but it's a prescription for you. Hallelujah. Wow. Hallelujah. So anyway, I've just been challenged to ask for understanding. You know, here's a good thought. God and the devil are both looking for the same thing. They're both looking for agreement. You've got to make a decision. Am I going to agree with God or am I going to agree with the devil? Ha, hallelujah. And, and uh, the enemy would love to make it more complicated. I believe the gospel is to be simple and we just choose. Jesus always brought people to a choice with all respect to the son of God I, I, I look at John chapter 5 and he's saying 
to a man who's been crippled for almost 40 years and he's saying, would you like to be made well? <laughs> I think with all respect, Lord, that's a dumb question. But you know, a lot of people don't. A lot of people have become more comfortable in their, their problem. Would you like some joy? No, I've learned to really love being miserable. You know, I, I just really adapted to that. You know, and so everything is always a choice. It's helped me again. Every emotion I have, is that love or is that fear? And believe me, God is God. I'm serving God today because a very close friend of mine, I was just out of high school, and it's amazing how fast 10 years goes by. But, uh, <laughs> but my best friend drowned. And you know, I wouldn't be serving to God today if he hadn't, because it shocked my world so much. And he's going to have a great reward in heaven. He's probably already enjoying it. Because because of him, I've been in the ministry for 50 years. Hallelujah. So so we, we serve a wonderful, hallelujah, wonderful, wonderful God. Hallelujah. If you're having anxiety, it's under fear. If you're having peace, you're, in, you're under love. So many people are full of anxiety. It's just a spirit of fear. It's torment. And believe me, I am a professional. If you want to lose your victory, I can help you, you know, be, because I've been there. But, but I believe the gospel is simple. It's simple. I'm looking for a place to lay my head. I want you to follow me, but I really am looking for a place to lay my head. Will you let me give, give you my thoughts? Will you let me give you my perspective? Will you let me give you my agenda? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sweet Holy Spirit. Sweet Holy Spirit. I'll tell you, don't you just appreciate the Lord? Because it, the gospel's simple. We, we, we just have to choose, am I going to walk or am I going to fly? You know? Am I going to get in the? Am I going to get in my flesh, or am I going to get in the spirit? Because the spirit always has good news. You know, I'd love to take every word in the Bible where it says love, and put acceptance. God, God accepts you. He accepted Nathaniel. Behold, an Israelite in whom is no guile. Nathaniel's so shocked, and what does Jesus say? Oh, don't don't get so mad. You're going to see greater things than these. But the beauty of it is, He accepts us. Now, the truth is, he thinks you're very strange, but he accepts you. <laughs> Hallelujah. He, he, there, there's something about God. Yes, he loves you, but it sounds so generic, but he accepts you. He loves your uniqueness. He loves your, your, your weirdness. He enjoys your personality. He wants you to be you, to, re, to be you. All other positions are taken anyway, but just to be you and to just enjoy Him. 